Hey, 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 welcome to another edition of the Double Down WNBA podcast. Hope you're all well out there. My name is Eric Namchuk, as always, alongside Stephen Trinkwald. And Stephen, today is going to be the first installment of our free agency coverage. That's right. We're going to break down from a team-by-team perspective who they have as free agents in the upcoming offseason and then sort of how we might prioritize these players in terms of for a given team or, or who we think might be a better fit where. Uh, and we will do that first by going through the bigs and then in part two, we'll look at the wings and guards. That's right, because if we went over the entire free agent class, it would take very many hours. And if you are listening to this thinking, well, free agency doesn't start until next year, you're correct, but the offseason is very, very long, and we'd like to at least kind of get this out of the way, just kind of like a free agency preview, if you will. So getting started, uh, first, some technical details. Uh, the 2021 salary cap projects to be $1,339,000, a lot of money. I mean, for me, maybe. The 2021 standard max contract is about $190,000. 2021 super max contract is about $221,000. Stephen, real quick, what is the difference between a standard max contract and a super max contract? So the super max is a contract that can be offered to players returning to their existing teams. It's uh, a little bit more substantial, as you mentioned, than the standard max contract. There are some criteria that uh, a player will have had to have met to be eligible for the standard. I mean, for the Supermax, they will need at least uh, five or more years of service in the WNBA, and they will need to be under contract for at least part of the two previous seasons. And if they had changed teams over the course of those two seasons, it will have been via assignment. So for example, a player that we will talk about uh, at some point in part two, I imagine, but Nigel Laney, she meets pretty much all of the criteria except for the fact that she changed teams via being released and then signed as a free agent. So she actually would, and that was just this past season. So she, I believe, would not be eligible for the Supermax. Okay. And that's an interesting example because that uh, 30,000 difference, that could, you know, be the difference between 11 player roster or 12 player roster. Now the, the rookie minimum Cap hold is about, uh, it's a little over $58,000, 58710 to be exact. And if you are wondering where we're getting this information, um, that's from the WNBA CBA, which you can find on the Players Association website, wnbpa.com. And all the other information we are using, uh, we're citing from both the Next and her, her Hoop Stats, who have put a lot of great work into this. Um, we're basically just leeching off of it and giving our opinions. So, Stephen, uh, would you like to kind of go over these teams real quick? Sure. And uh, just to kind of build off what you were saying, two great resources um, for salary cap information in a league that is not always the most uh, transparent about this kind of stuff. So uh, let's start with the Atlanta Dream. They, I believe, will be $289,000 in space after signing their first round pick. They will have 10 players under contract, not including that first round pick going into this season or into this offseason, I should say. And they're uh, free agents, their unrestricted free agents are Bet Nigelani and Glory Johnson. Their restricted free agents, Blake Dietrich and Kayla Davis. Uh, reserved players, Jalen Agnew and their suspended expired player, Renee Montgomery. So, real quick, what is reserved and what is suspended slash expired? Sure. So we can just go through all, all four of them quickly. Unrestricted free agent, you know, you are pretty much unrestricted. You are free to sign with. That's an easy one. Whoever can afford your services pretty much uh, and has the roster spot to take you on. 
restricted free agent, you can sign a contract with whatever team you like, but your existing team, uh, so in this case, the Atlanta Dream for, let's say, Blake Dietrich, um, they have the right of first refusal. They can pretty much match whatever offer you get. A reserved player, they can only negotiate with your existing team, and that's the same for suspended and expired. But with a reserved player, this is typically like a, a younger player, maybe you know a rookie who wasn't a first-round pick, didn't get the full rookie-scale contract. Right. Um, in order for, let's say, the Atlanta Dream to keep the rights to negotiate with the Jalen Agnew, uh, they will have to have offered a qualifying offer to kind of lock in those services. And that's not the same for the suspended expired contract. This is pretty, I think in most seasons, not a very typical uh, situation, but because of, of course, uh, so many players sitting out in 2020 for various reasons, whether it be uh, to focus on social justice or, or for health reasons, any player who did not receive a medical exemption was not granted their unrestricted free agency and is thus in the uh, suspended expired category, which pretty much uh, the league cites as you had, you know, pretty much with withheld your services. And uh, so a team has to release your rights for you to be able to negotiate with another team. Okay. Very uh, comprehensive overview there. Sure. So let's move on to Chicago. They have 11 players under contract at this point, just over $141,000 in space before their first round pick. Does Chicago have their first round pick this year? They do. Okay. They do. So they have three free agents, uh, Sidney Colson and Cheyenne Parker are their unrestricted free agents. And then Alexis Prince as a reserved player. Connecticut, $744,000 plus under the salary cap. They, of course, do not have their first round pick. And it sounds like a lot of money, but they only have four players under contract next year. And, you know, it's only four, so I'll go through them quickly. John Quill, Jones, Dewana Bonner, Brian January, and Kyla Charles are their only players uh, set to, you know, definitely return uh, for 2020. So as unrestricted free agents, we're looking at Alyssa Thomas, Jasmine Thomas, Bria Holmes, Essence Carson, Teresa Plaisance, Kalina Mosqueda-Lewis, uh, Bree Jones is a restricted free agent, Natisha Heideman and Beatrice Mont Premier are reserve players and they do not have any suspended or expired. Dallas, they're looking at 280,000 plus in space, considerably less than that after they are set to bring in two top five picks here, but they also have 11 players under contract and their only free agent is a restricted free agent, Alicia Gray. Indiana, they have four players coming up under free agency, all unrestricted free agents, Natalie Achanwa, Candice Dupree, John Tell Lavender, and Erica Wheeler with just under $750,000 in cap space before their lottery pick. The Aces, half their team is pretty much under contract uh, with Liz Cambage, Kayla McBride, D-Rob, Sugar Rogers, Carolyn Swords as unrestricted free agents. Sierra Burdick is a restricted free agent. Lindsay Allen and Emma Cannon as reserve players with about $665,000 to work with. Uh, the Sparks, I think, one of the more interesting teams in free agency. A pretty decent amount of cap space, $790,990. They have six players under contract, but none of their top five players in terms of minutes from last season are under contract and, and only three players that were in the top 10 for them last year. So they're unrestricted free agents. Chelsea Gray, Candace Parker, Neka Ogwumake, Raquana Williams, Simone Augustus. Their restricted free agents, Rashonda Gray and Brittany Sykes. Reserved, Taya Cooper and suspended expired, Shanae Ogwumake. So a ton of big names as free agents for the Sparks. Uh, Minnesota, nine players on roster. 
their unrestricted free agents, Shanice Johnson, Kayla Alexander, restricted Erica McCall, reserved Bridget Carlton and Temi Fagbenle, and then suspended, expired, of course, Maya Moore and Cecilia Zandalassini. And they have just over $450,000 to work with in space. Uh, the New York Liberty already have 12 players on roster. I imagine not all of these young players will be returning for them, and that's definitely something we can get to in a little while. Uh, about $398,000 in space after their incoming lottery pick. Unrestricted free agent Amanda Zowie B. Reserve free agent Joyner Holmes and Paris Key. Suspend expired Rebecca Allen and Stephanie Talbot. Phoenix has six players under contract, just under $530,000 in space. Unrestricted free agent, of course, Diana Tarasi, as well as Jessica Breland and Kia Vaughn. Restricted free agent, Nia Coffey and Shatori Walker-Kimbrough. Uh, Shea Petty as a reserve player. And Yvonne Turner, suspended, expired. Seattle, eight players under contract, but some big names for them coming up due for new deals. Unrestricted free agent, Sue Bird, Natasha Howard, Alicia Clark, and Epiphany Prince. Sammy Whitcomb is a restricted free agent and they have just over $550,000 to fill out the rest of their roster. And then finally, the Washington Mystics, just under $800,000 in space here with five players under contract. Tina Charles, Tiana Hawkins, Emma Miesemann, and Ariel Powers are unrestricted free agents. Elena Coates, Jackie Gemelos, Stella Johnson, and Suge Sutton are reserved players. And for suspend expired, they have Natasha Cloud, Latoya Sanders, and King Lee Soul, who I am not familiar with. So with that being said, let's start with our uh, free agent big rankings where uh, we broke these down into tiers. Let's start with the unrestricted free agents and the superstar category. Did you have any superstars in this free agent big class? Well, I think Liz Cambage is the obvious one there. She sat out last season for Las Vegas. And this is right away we start with a really interesting one because this campaign has a history of just like not showing up, but of course, when she does show up, she's a total franchise changer, right? She's one of the best players in the league. So, and she's also still in her prime athletically, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the international status has historically been difficult to work around for the WNBA and for Cambage, you know, it's, it's all more prevalent. And you know, who else is a superstar? For these? I mean, you could argue Candace Parker, she is going to be 35 years old. You could argue Neko Gumake. I love Neko Gumake, but I don't know. I mean, if we're, if we're going by superstars versus stars, I think the only superstar is Liz Cambage. But what do you say? I also have Candace Parker in this tier with Liz Cambage. And I was going to ask okay. you which of these two players you would rather have next season. But to me, it sounds like your answer is pretty firmly Liz Cambage. Yes. I'd rather have Cambage than Parker next season. Yeah, I agree so with feel you. Free to, feel free to hold that against me and, and bring this up next year when, when Candace Parker is dominating again. But Oh, I think we both love Candace Parker, right? She's one of the, the greatest players to ever play in this league. Yeah. Uh, Liz Cambage, probably, in, in my opinion, at least a more dominant offensive player. Maybe not quite the defensive player, but, you know, last time we saw her in 2019 for the Aces, I thought she was tremendous defensively, like much different than, than the player we saw in 2018. And yeah, these are probably, in my opinion, the two best players in free agency. Okay. And then for the star, uh, star tier, I mean, I think this is pretty, this is a pretty straightforward. Natasha Howard. Neko Ogumake and Alyssa Thomas, they are each of them, you know, they bring a lot of strengths to your team, particularly defensively, and they're all still in their primes athletically. 
Yeah, I have those three players and only those three players. Uh, I think it's straightforward for you and I, and I think a lot of people will gripe that we didn't have at least one Washington Mystics player, maybe two. <laughs> so let, let's talk before we kind of move on to the above average starter category. Of these five players that we have stars and superstars, does anyone jump out as kind of likely to change teams or particularly likely to like definitely stay where they are? For me, like I, I don't think there's any way that Connecticut uh, let's Alyssa Thomas walk away. I think they will core uh, her if they have to, which basically means like one season at the super max. Honestly, the other four, like for me, I, I don't really see why Las Vegas would let Liz Cambage walk away, but they did just make it to the WNBA finals without her. Maybe they, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like to me, it's a no brainer that they bring her back, but maybe not. I think, I think that'd be very flawed logic. If they said, oh, well we made it without her we're not going to bring her back because look at the state of the league last season. You're going to get so many players, particularly centers around the league. You're going to get JJ back, Brittany Grinder. I mean, maybe back in Phoenix. We don't know about her yet, but Sylvia Fowles, maybe back in Minnesota. Uh, why, why wouldn't you bring Cam Beige back? You know? Yeah, completely agree. So then we have Candace Parker, Natasha Howard, and Neka Ogumake. LA is going to be pretty hard pressed to bring all three of their uh, free agent star players back and and still be able to fill out any kind of a bench. Do you think Neka Ogumake or, or Candace Parker, like which one of those players do you think is more likely to move on? And I guess who would you rather have for next season? A very good question. You know, as a Sky fan, there are going to be, I mean, there already are rumors of Candace Parker wanting to come home to Chicago. Sidebar, um, she's from Naperville. That's not Chicago, but I digress. Unless this guy moved to Naperville, you know, I mean, they were basically the Delaware sky for a while, but uh, Candace Parker, I don't know, going into H35. Here's the thing. I have never seen anything that suggests Parker wants to leave LA. And I have never seen anything that suggests Neko Gumake wants to leave LA. Now you're totally right in saying that like things are going to get really tight for the Sparks coming up into this free agency period. It seems like they always, they're, they're always able to like kind of skirt around the, the salary cap stuff, but uh, I think honestly, I'd rather have NECA going uh, going forward because she's five years younger. Uh, once again, I'm setting myself up for for major flames here among Candace Parker fans. But I don't know, like how many years does, does does CP have left? That's that's my major question. Sure, and I think the other thing to consider here is you know Neko Gumake, the president of the Players Association, like president of the PA, doesn't take a pay cut. Like she's going to make max money. She's not setting that precedent. So. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't expect her to, you know, I guess you, you never really know, but that would be a very interesting look for a player of her caliber to not maximize her earning potential. That's definitely something to consider. Who would, you rather have? Who would I rather have? I mean, NECA had such a weird 2020, you know, she is such like a, an easy to integrate player and, you know, Candace Parker, if you have Candace Parker on your team, your, your team is very Candace Parker-y, but <laughs> I mean, she's, Parker, in my opinion, probably is still the better player. I, I guess Parker, but... What about for Supermax money? You know, and yeah, that, that, that's going to be a big contract for a player who's going to be 35. Especially if we're talking about, you know, a two-year deal, then I, I think uh, you got to seriously consider Neka Ogumike as the better option there at only being age 30, even though, you know, there are some uh, statistical trends that are suggesting maybe she has, you know, we've seen the best of what we're going to get from her, but, mm -hmm. you know, she's a great player. And I think I... Still, you know, if we're talking a two-year max money deal, maybe she would be a safer bet. Okay, so she's the safe bet. CP is kind of the home run bet. 
Uh, any, you know, if LA is unable to bring back all three of their their star players and NECA is, you know, the the odd player out, any destinations you, you like for her? Well, I mean, I think, what's Minnesota doing? What's Minnesota well, doing? Because they have a lot of space. They do have a lot of space. They're going into the last season of Sylvia Fowles' contract. Uh, they did just sign Damaris Dantas to an extension. So she, I think she would make for a pretty expensive bench player, but you know, maybe you just set yourself up for one year of transitioning away from the Sylvia Fowles era. Uh, but it's hard to say. I, you know, that was definitely one that that jumped out to me as well. Because, I mean, Minnesota, it's no secret. Like, they struck out in free agency last, last free agency period, and they're going shopping this offseason. There is great incentive to play in Minnesota, in my opinion, because you have a terrific culture there. You already have a core of like a mix of veteran and young players and successful players. And Sylvia Fowles, I mean, if she wasn't so consistently injured last season, which is obviously terrifically unfortunate, um, then I, I might not be considering this, but I got to wonder how much longer she's going to play. And I have to think that Minnesota, if they don't like what they're hearing from, from Fowles, even if she says, yeah, I'm coming back next season. I mean, they can't continue playing through her forever. And I think it would be quite an extreme step if, if I can put it that way, to basically go into the post-Sylvia Fowles era without a legitimate center candidate. Yeah, with no plan at all, sure. Yeah. That makes sense. And NECA brings with you such versatility, you know, where you can play her at the four with Fowles, you can play her at the five with Dantas. So it makes a ton of sense. And, and Minnesota, as we kind of touched on before, they already have 10 players and they have a ton of space. So, you know, there's a lot of room to kind of go big game hunting and, and chase whatever max level free agent they think is, is best going to fit their system. So I think that's a really interesting one. Now, I see you have an interesting one here. Yeah, I thought the Indiana Fever would be a great spot for Neko Gumake. Uh, I don't know if it's a great spot in her opinion, um, <laughs> but just in terms of like changing the culture and we'll, we'll get to another player that I love for Indiana in, in part two, but you know, they have room to sign two maximum players and sign another decent veteran and still have money to max Kelsey Mitchell in the next offseason, I think. Uh, I'm not a, a math major, but I'm pretty sure I did that right. So, <laughs> you know, I think her, and again, with the versatility, like she can play alongside Lauren Cox, she can play alongside Tierra McCowan. Not a great fit alongside McCowan, but a fine one. And, you know, this team just doesn't have anybody to defend. And you can really, I think, change your culture with a Neko Ogumake type player. That's a good point as far as the culture is concerned. You know, that, that might be, for all you listeners out there, uh, you might be putting a various amounts of, of stock into that. But, I mean, she's a vet. She's been there before. She's a great leader. She's, as Stephen mentioned, the president of the Players Union. And look at all this, look at all this money in, in, in the front court that's coming off the books. Natalie Ashanwa, Candice Dupree, and Jantel Lavender. I don't know if bringing Candice Dupree back would be the best decision. Of course, we could talk about that later. But with both her and Lavender coming off the books, I mean, that's a lot of vet money for players who are no longer what they once were. So maybe they really like a and they're going to put a lot of money in her uh, coming back. But even if they do, like you, you got to take a swing on NECA. I think that's, that'd be a, a great, that'd be a, that'd be a total coup for Indiana. If I'm being honest. Yeah, that'd be a home run. And, and I don't think it's very likely, but maybe if they get a couple of star players to go there, you know, defensive oriented players more so to kind of match what they have offensively already. You know, things could really turn around quickly there. So let's move on to the next tier of above average starters. I have three players in this tier. Do you have any more or less than that? 
No, I don't have any uh, more or less. I mean, I think you can make a case for a couple of these solid role players to move up, but then again, maybe not. So I think we both have uh, Tina Charles. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone can boo and hiss about us not having her as a star, but it is what it is. Emma Mieseman and uh, Cheyenne Parker. Yep. So Tina Charles, she will not be eligible to be cord. Uh, so if she decides to re-sign in Washington, it will have to, she'll have to have some say in it. And all accounts are she, she does want to do that. Uh, Washington's other, or, or one of their other, I should say, free agent bigs, Emma Misaman. Some question, I think, as to whether she's even going to come over next year with Eurobasket and the Olympics both set to take place in in 2021 and Cheyenne Parker. But before we move on to Parker, now is, I guess, as good a time as ever to, to bring Latoya Sanders in this as well, who is a suspended expired free agent. If you're Washington, how do you prioritize those three players? I mean, there's no way you could bring all three of them back, right? It seems it, very unlikely. It's not possible, especially when you, when you consider like the year Maisha Hines-Allen had. Of course, she is still under contract for 2021, but that's a lot of pieces all fitting in your front court there. And, you know, maybe, maybe Maisha Hines-Allen could be trade bait moving forward. But I think you got to see if, if Emma's looking to come back or not, because I think she is the best player of those three. If she's not, well, look, in case, in case anyone is, is, is wondering about this, neither Stephen and I are as, as high on Tina Charles as, as most other people are, I think. But at the same time, I don't think the Mystics can say like, okay, we, we traded all this for Tina Charles and she's just not going to suit up for us ever. I mean, they didn't really trade that much for her, though. I mean, they traded Shatori Walker Kimbrough and what will be the fifth pick in this year's draft. So, I mean, it's it's a lot. It's not substantial. They didn't really trade anybody that was, you know, definitely going to be a core part of what they were doing for the next three years. Okay, you're right. You know, you're right. As a player, I'd rather have Latoya Sanders and Tina Charles in a vacuum. But you have something in your notes here. She's 34 next year. I I can't believe that. Yeah, it seems kind of crazy to think that she plays so much younger than what she that's that, that's crazy but yeah going back to your original question i think you have to prioritize misaman and then you kind of go from there i think she's a better player she's obviously much younger than the other two um and as far as like international status she's been fairly good at showing up throughout her wnba career yeah she's only missed the one year in 20 but with everything else going on like you know you, you just can't say and you're right there have been rumblings around the social media that uh about Misman not showing up next year and she is somebody who's going to command a ton of money I think so I don't know what do you think I I don't want to say everything starts with Sanders because she's the one who you know doesn't have negotiating rights with any other team but she is the one whose skill set isn't going to be replicated by the other two players you know she's the one that has the defensive versatility defensively yeah she's the one that was you know, guarding a point guard in the WNBA finals last time we saw her on the court in, in stretches, you know, that wasn't her primary assignment, but she unlocked so much of kind of what brought them to a championship level outside of, you know, having the MVP and, and two great point guards in 2019. But she also is getting up there in age and, and maybe she, after sitting out a season, she's not the same player anymore. But, you know, I think Misamin, so much of what she brings to the table, I think is kind of just a not as good version of Elena Deladon is is that unfair to say mm, I mean a not so great version of Elena Deladon is still pretty good in my oh yeah opinion. I mean she's still <laughs> a really really good player but I'm just saying there's a lot of like overlap there and playing them together isn't 
you know, necessarily the best front court combination defensively, although, you know, you probably do more than make up for it offensively. But with that being said, I do still prioritize her over Tina Charles for sure. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if she even comes over next year. And maybe if she doesn't, that's, you know, a break for for Washington in its own right, where they'll be able to kind of secure her services in the future and, and don't have to worry about the headache if they want to just run it back with Charles for, for a year. Uh, try this on for size. How does Tina Charles fit with Elena Deladon? Because if Charles is willing to play the five, like she hasn't been crazy about that before, and if I recall correctly, can she fit into a system where she's not being force-fed the ball like we saw in New York? I think she can. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it all kind of depends on like what, what she's going to look like defensively, if she's going to be the best version of, of Tina Charles that we see on that end, or if it'll look more like the last two years in New York. Okay. But I, I think if, if she takes a smaller role, and especially if, you know, she's getting a lot of bench heavy minutes where, where she is able to absorb that usage a lot more, like with, I guess, more kind of limited players around her, maybe it'll work out. You know, it, it's not really a fit that I love, but the truth about Tina Charles is probably somewhere between where you and I see her and where everybody else sees her. Yeah, because like, I'm not, I'm not an enormous fan, but you could convince me, certainly, if, if you're playing her with all these shooters and everything like that. Granted, it's going to look different than, than uh, 2019 when you had Christy Tolliver out there. But at the same time, it's still a heck of a lot more than what she was working with in New York with a very good head coach who's familiar with her as well. So I could be convinced. Uh, let's move on to the other player we had in this class, Cheyenne Parker. She's going to be in entering her age 28 season. Chicago pretty much has about $140,000 to offer her. Seems like there's there's a lot of thought that maybe she might get an offer larger than that. I struggle to see where that offer is coming from. Well, what if Connecticut is, uh, what if somebody throws, gets desperate for Bree Jones and they throw her an offer where they, that they can't match? Sure. So and Connecticut is, is an interesting one, but they won't really have much more than that to offer her unless they also lose Jasmine Thomas. So, okay. so let's say they bring back, Connecticut brings back Alyssa Thomas at the Supermax. They somehow get Jasmine Thomas for about 150K, which, you know, maybe she'll get more than that, maybe not. They pretty much will have $144,000 in space if they add four more rookie deals. So, so they, they pretty much have room for one veteran. And, and that's kind of why I think Bree Jones may not be long for the Sun, because when you pretty much have one more, you know, contributor level player that you can bring aboard, like, do you also want them to play the same position as your superstar player? Yeah. You know? And plus, like going back to my original point, I, th- I think whoever strikes out or whoever is unable to land their the, a star free agent is going to want to pay up for someone like Bree Jones. Maybe I'm wrong, but if, if they know that Connecticut is not going to be able to match, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. But to answer your uh, question, uh, for Cheyenne, I mean, I, I think she, compar- comparatively speaking, I think she deserves more than 140K. Maybe it's not realistic that someone will offer her that given everyone's cap situation. I hope that it's a, I hope that that's, that this discussion is meaningless and that she'll just come back to Chicago because she wants to. Um, She's on record of saying like, she loves Chicago. She's never thinking about going anywhere else. Take that for what you will. But James Wade is also on record of saying, we love Cheyenne. We think she's going to be our center of the future. It's going to take some movement in Chicago. Like I don't think Chicago runs back this entire roster next year. It's just a kind of a gut feeling beyond the 141k that they have they have in with space um but the majority of that 141k or if all of it is going to go to Cheyenne Parker I think it has to go to a a big offer because 
if they let Cheyenne Parker go, they're in deep trouble in the front court. I just don't really see Cheyenne Parker really commanding that much in what I think is going to be a pretty, pretty tight market. But, you know, maybe if LA loses one of their players, they, they could look to bring in a Cheyenne Parker or something. Um, so you never really know where, where it could come from. But my gut feeling tells me that she does come back to Chicago one way or another. Hope you're right. Uh, let's move on to solid role players. This is the longest list I have for the bigs. I have quite a few players in this list. and But I think one player stands above and beyond the other ones. And that's Amanda Zowie B, a player that neither one of us are super high on. But, you know, she's, I don't think she's an above average starter, but she's definitely better than anybody else in this group. I mean, when you talk about Amanda Zowie B, she's got two skills that jump out at you. She is a very good rebounder. And she is at least acceptable, acceptable shooting three-pointers. I think when you look at New York last season, it was just such a mess offensively. If you get Amanda Zowie B playing with either in a better system or with better offensive talent around her, you have the potential for a, a pretty good role player. So I agree with you on that. Do you see any way, I guess, that she doesn't return to New York? I mean, just as a refresher, they are sitting at 12 players already on roster, but a lot of cap space and some, some free agents, I think some veteran free agents specifically, I think they'll, they'll want to bring back. So if, if you do think that they will prioritize either her or a couple of their wing players that did not come over last season, I mean, who do you think is the likely candidate to be let go? Well, first of all, I think you can let both of these reserve players, Joyner Holmes and Paris Key. I don't think there was anything there. I don't think you're you're going to be bringing them back, especially considering who's back, who's coming back. I think out of their list of people who they're going to be bringing back, I actually like Rebecca Allen the most. I think she is the best fit in this system that they're trying to run, theoretically, because she's such a good shooter. Um, you, you can maybe argue her versus Talbot, but I don't know. Like, the question I have with Amanda Zellie B is, why did they re-sign Kia Stokes? Yeah, that's... That's my question. Like, she did not look comfortable at all last season. Like in any role, but out of the two veteran front court players that they're running out there, they re-signed her like before, it was before the season even ended, right? Yep. And she's on the books for a fully guaranteed $109,000 contract. Uh, definitely would have a lot more roster flexibility if that was not the case. Fully um, guaranteed contract for Kia Stokes, huh? It's, you know, it's a one-year deal and they do have such an abundance of cap space that, you know, maybe you could just eat that I guess uh, but that seemed like the obvious candidate to me just in terms of yeah she's probably better than some of these young players but these young players are still you know kind of rolls of the dice where, where you're not quite sure what you're going to get I mean Hanzu to me is the, the obvious one who if you're looking to cut down a roster spot she might not come over anyway she might not come over sure but that still only leaves you know one spot for these three free agents and and your lottery pick so they're going to have some interesting choices for sure this is a team that needs to they got to grow up quick any other I guess destinations come to mind for Amanda Zowie if New York decides not to prioritize her I have one um and another team that one, I'm going to mention a lot, and two, is going to have some roster choices to make, and that is Dallas. They need a center, and you know I don't think she's, she's a great one, but she brings at least some defensive presence that, that they need. There's another player who I think would be a better fit for Dallas that, that we'll get to a little bit later as a center, but that was the first one that jumped out to me. Okay. Like in Dallas, it's so hard to evaluate this for me because it's – it was so obvious last season that Brian Agler and Greg Bibb were at odds as far as who is playing and who is getting paid to play. You are spending so much freaking money on a stew and do to not play, you know? 
And then it's like, do you think, well, Isabella, is Isabella Harrison a starting center? I don't believe so. Um, they really like Bella Allery. I'm not sure if she's ready to be a starting center yet. Satu Sabali, I don't think she's a five. I could see, I could see Saudi B going there. I mean, Dallas does have the money, right? Yep. And with 11 players under contract and two pretty good picks coming in, they're going to have to say goodbye to someone or maybe consolidate those picks. But I imagine I say that... goodbye to several someones. But <laughs> that's me. Uh, yeah, I, I imagine Katie Lou Samuelson, at least she would be at the top of my list of players to maybe not bring back to this roster if you're in a, a roster crunch. You know, Mariah Jefferson didn't look great, but she yeah. is on a fully guaranteed deal. So, yeah, I mean, the other thing that they could maybe do is, you know, if they do have a roster crunch they can you know they have uh the fifth pick the seventh pick and a lottery pick maybe they can combine those two later round picks to to dump a stew and do um they could try you know there's there's not a whole lot of destinations that i think would make sense for that maybe like minnesota if they struck out or, or indiana if they strike out but something to consider i guess if if they're really trying to to make something else work just for reference for everybody listening um the stew and do is going to get paid one hundred ninety thousand next year Yep, full max contract for her. So, yikes. That's 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 a problem. Okay, moving on. Uh, yeah, more solid role players in this tier: uh, Natalie Achanwa, Jessica Breland, Candice Dupree, Tiana Hawkins, Glory Johnson, Jantel Lavender, and Kia Vaughn. Any place in particular you want to start with this group? Let's just go with Achanwa because she's the youngest on this list. I don't want to be ageist or anything like that, but I think she's got she's got still got plenty of years ahead of her, and I think almost any team would be happy to have her. Sure. But you got to bring her in as like a backup big, right? She, she, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not a starter or anything like that. But looking at the rest of those players you talked about, I'm not sure any of those other ones are starters either. No, I don't think so. Maybe Glory Johnson, if she can kind of bounce back. You know, she she was pretty bad in Atlanta <sighs> last season. Um, but she will be in her age 30 season. So, you know, Natalie Chanwa, I thought the first team that jumped out to me was Chicago. Uh, she's not... Sure really what they need, but I think she brings a lot of the same things offensively that Steph Dolson does to not as good of an extent, you know, not as good of a passer and as good as a, in the handoff game and all that stuff. But as a backup big, you know, I think you could, you could do a lot worse. I agree with that. I, I wouldn't be, if Steph Dolson is to leave, and I think that's something to watch for, like she wasn't really healthy at all last season and her weaknesses were even more glaring. And I'm just going to leave it at that. And I don't think James Wade is very happy with, with what he got out of her. If Steph Dolson is moved, um, Machano would be a decent replacement. You know, like you said, I don't think she's starting material, but given how highly Wade spoke of Cheyenne Parker and given her career trajectory, I don't think if she lands in Chicago, that would be asked of her. Yeah, not to get too off topic here, but I, I just have a really hard time seeing, you know, how they move on from Steph Dolson. She is in the last year of her contract, uh, but it's $175,000 fully guaranteed. And I mean, what what do you so you don't think you don't think anybody anyone takes that? I, I just don't see what team is really incentivized to take that contract on, unless you're getting rid of a, a worse contract. Yeah. You know? I, I just don't yeah. like who's the, the team that was like looking at what they got from Steph Dolson last year and said, Yeah, let's trade for that. And that's a that's a good point. Like her value is not good at all right now. So you're right. Uh I mean, I think it's something that has been talked about a lot, at least in the off or not in the off season, but like in the run up to the off season and in the, I guess the couple of weeks since the season ended is, you know, maybe Stephanie Dolson is, is the one that doesn't return. I, I just, I have a hard time seeing how it happens. Any other teams jump out for a Chanwa? Um, I, you know, she's 
she's just so average at everything. It's hard to yeah. say, you know, it's hard to point to a team that like wouldn't be a good fit because, you know, I guess it just depends on, depends on what kind I of. I view that as a positive though. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, she gives you a little bit of everything. That's again, like I said, like I said, to start with any team would love to have her uh, coming off their bench, <laughs> minor, minor condition there. Um, ultimately I think she goes back to Indiana. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Jessica Breland uh, did not play last season. Candace Dupree probably should not play next season. Uh, the play- player I wanted to talk about was Tiana Hawkins. Yeah, um, she. It seems like she's going to get squeezed by by what's going on with Washington and, and all the big name players they have bringing back. I had a couple fits for her that I thought would be good. Phoenix, which I don't think they'll be able to afford her, um, but also Connecticut. You know, maybe replicate hmm. sort of what they thought they were going to get when they traded for Teresa Plaisance. You think she's the missing piece? No, I don't think she's the missing piece. I, I think, you know, they'd be better served going after a quality wing, but I can see, you know, maybe she just doesn't have like the, the defensive chops that Connecticut might look for, but I think she would be a good fit as uh, a third big there. Or Well, she can't be any worse on defense than Plaisance was. And she does bring that one valuable skill that they'd be looking for in a player like her is the three-point shot. Um, however, that's, basically the only thing she brings totally fair uh, uh I mean, she is like a really quality two-point jump shooter as well but you know whatever yeah and she she had a lousy year shooting the ball honestly i thought she was pretty pretty disappointing in the bubble i'm not sure what was going on there but if she was to bounce back to her 2019 production someone is going to be very happy i just don't think it's going to be washington Glory Johnson, it seems there's no reporting to go off of this, but I, I don't think she'll be back in Atlanta just because they have, you know, 10 players under contract already. They have uh, a decent amount of, I mean, I don't want to say depth, but they have Elizabeth Williams, they have Kalani Brown, they have Monique Billings. Those are three post players, if, if nothing else. Those They're are three definitely po- three players <laughs> that can play the post. But, you know, they, they have 10 players under contract and they have a, a pretty good first-round pick coming up. And I, I just think they're going to prioritize Benajelani over Glory Johnson. Oh, I would, for sure. I don't think Glory Johnson, she's really fallen off the past few seasons. I mean, she's turned more into like a, a faux stretch four type of player who you still really don't care if she shoots a three or not. Um, like earlier in her career, she was a total demon on the glass, a player who would get to the free throw line a ton. I just haven't seen much of that from her in the past couple seasons. And depending on how much money she's going to command, I agree with you. I'm not sure if Atlanta needs to be prioritizing that. But who who would? Yeah, I mean, I, I see her probably coming off the bench and maybe even like fighting for time somewhere. So, you know, not not too much else to say about the rest of, you know, the John Tell Lavenders and, and Kia Vons. Uh, fringe role players, nothing really jumps out to me here, but for uh, posterity, Kayla Alexander, Megan Huff, Teresa Plaisance, Carolyn Swords, and Avery Worley Talbert. Do you think any of these players will play in the WNBA next season? I mean, Megan Huff probably will, I guess. Uh, Huff could. I think Alexander could, although it's a little concerning how Sylvia Fowles went out and Minnesota still didn't play her. Plaisance, I don't know if she's healthy, man. And then Swords, you have probably retire. She's probably going to retire again. I agree with you. And Worley Talbert, I mean, I, I don't think, no. I mean, Carolyn Swords, like, if she wanted to play, she could still give quality minutes. Like, she's only going to be in her age 31 season. She was perfectly capable as a role player this year. Uh, maybe she won't retire. But let, let's move on to the restricted free agents, to which there are not many. I don't think either of us had any superstars or stars in this uh, restricted free agent class. Did you have any above-average starters? Ultimately, no. I thought Brianna Jones 
at least made an argument for that last season. But moving forward, I think she's just still a solid role player, which is good. She's at least a low-end starter. Like, she's not – and that's – you know, it sounds like a slight, but you aren't, like, off-put if she's starting for one of the 12 teams. Um, Okay, real quick, real quick. I have a question for you. Sure. Um, Compare Brianna Jones as a solid role player to the list of solid role players as unrestricted free agents. I think she would be the best. I think she's – I would rather have her on my team than Amanda Zoe B. Okay. Unless you are specifically like the Liberty and want to play a five-out system, I mean, do you disagree with me? Would who would you no, rather have? I, I do not disagree. I do not disagree. Uh, so, any fits come to mind for Bree Jones? Because I don't think Connecticut will be able to bring her back. No, they, I don't think so. Um, maybe. Well, this this begs the question: Is Brianna Jones a starting caliber player on a competitive team? I mean, she she proved that she was in the bubble, and I think yeah, she, I mean, she a yeah, lot she had better. Been. I think she was a lot better than either of us either of us expected her to be. Maybe Indiana, depending on if uh, they bring back a Chanma. I like her in Dallas. Um, I like her in Dallas. She, she is like very different than than any other options that they have. I guess Gustafson nominally brings like some some size and strength at the center position, but she's. I mean, Bree Jones is just like miles ahead of Gustafson as a defensive player. Yeah. So, you know, Dallas does like to run those kind of five small lineups, like with Sabley and, and Caleb Thornton uh, playing the four and the five. And I think Bree Jones would be a nice change of pace to that, to where you have someone to where if a, a big post player is really just killing that lineup, you know, you have an option to be able to throw some size down there and be able to defend, you know, I mean, I don't want to say a Brittany Griner type, but, you know, one of those dominant players where, the, the exact archetype that really gives Dallas trouble, you know, a, a dominant, dominant center. Yeah. So someone who at least has that like low center of gravity, who's, who's just going to play solid man to man defense. Yeah. She's not going to get put in the goal every single time. Cause she, she does have some good strength to her. And, you know, she showed this year that she's a pretty decent offensive player. And I think she's a pretty decent defensive player too. And I think your choice of Indiana would be pretty good as well. I think, you know, the thing about her is like, she's so similar to McCowan that, you are either like extending your bridge to when you think McCowan will be good or, or you're thinking, you know, maybe this is not the answer um, yeah. as opposed to, you know, some other center or power forward options where there might be a little bit more like pliability between those two choices. Uh, but she would definitely improve them. Like she's a lot better than Tierra McCowan was last year. There's now that I think about it, there's, there would be a lot of redundancy with Bree Jones, McCowan and Lauren Cox on the same roster. Um, but I mean, she's, she's only going to be 25. Yeah, she's pretty young, and that's that's the great thing about uh, a restricted free agent where it looks like she's going to be available. Okay, fringe role players, did you want to discuss these? I mean, we can just name them. Sierra Burdick uh, will be in her age 27 season. Rashonda Gray, age 28. Erica McCall, age 25. I think Rashonda Gray is probably the most likely to be on a roster next season. She seems pretty beloved throughout the league and you know, with her, her great story and everything, but really didn't play much for LA last year when they were kind of hurting for a viable backup big? Well, let me say this. Derek Fisher, it was using analytics last year. So, um, ah, that explains it. That's, that's only, I'm only half joking. Um, but that has surprised me how Rashana Gray didn't play. They obviously liked what they saw with Christina Nigue, and I don't blame them, but she was what? Like, she had that, her last year in New York when she was what, second or third in the league in offensive rebounding rate. She is really good at that one thing. However, she has also been on a lot of teams now already that have cut her, and L.A. will probably be another one. 
so you just got to wonder like is is this is this is this is a WNBA realistic for her Erica McCall on the other hand like she came into Minnesota and I thought she played decent she leapfrogged Kayla Alexander which I was kind of surprised with yeah you, you think Rashonda Gray is, is more likely to be on her roster I mean maybe neither of them are yeah I to be honest that's probably the, the like maybe maybe, maybe maybe I'm overthinking this until until there's an injury um yeah you know maybe we got a couple of mid-season pickups or something for uh reserve players you know we don't have to spend too much time on this uh solid role player i had temi fag benley maybe she'll is, is that too generous for fag benley to call her a solid role player i had her as a fringe role player but it's it's piecemeal okay fringe role player i had emma cannon and uh former number two overall pick elena coates oh my god and then <laughs> Uh, rookies, I kind of categorized separately just because we're not really sure who they are. As players, obviously, we know who they are, you know, literally, but I know uh, who they are. Joyner Holmes, uh, who we had said maybe is not going to be on the Liberty next season. And Beatrice Montpremier, who I think we both probably expect Connecticut will bring back if they're able to get her for a, a pretty small number. I think Beatrice Montpremier played pretty darn well down the stretch for this night, like as, but about as well as you could expect yeah, compared, to sure. what she showed, compared to what she showed early. Yep, and she's, I think, proved herself as a, a pretty capable offensive player, whether it just be like running the floor or playing pick and roll. And her one-on-one defense, at least with Asia Wilson, I think really impressed some people. So Just just the length. And, and as an athlete, I think she's by far the best of these reserve players. Oh, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Easily. So then we have a couple interesting name in the expended, uh, sorry, in the suspended expired category, uh, both of which I had under the solid role player category. Shanae Gwumike and Latoya Sanders. Um, Just solid role players, huh? I mean, I guess you could call Shanae Gwumike maybe an above-average starter. I mean, I don't think you can really call Latoya Sanders an above-average starter when there's 12 teams in the league. You know, that's a little tough, I, I think. As, I, I as think, players. yeah. I, I was, I was, I was half-joking on that because going back to our 2014 redraft where I had Shanae like way higher than you. And I think maybe I like Latoya more than I should. At least going into her age of 34, okay, that's, I'll, I'll account for that. But yeah, this is really interesting, specifically Shanae, because, I mean, she did all that to get herself playing with her sister again in L.A. And a year later, I mean... I mean, there's no way L.A., if she, if she wants to come back next year, there's no way L.A. is going to be able to afford her. Yeah, and, and, and even, even for myself, I am not prioritizing Shanae Agumake over Neko or Candace Parker. There, no way. Of course not. Or, I mean, never mind her, like... Their wing players who we'll get to next week, like Brittany Sykes and Raquana Williams, are also eligible to be free agents. And of course, their star point guard, Chelsea Gray, obviously is going to command a max deal from somebody. But mm-hmm. like those wing players, to me, you got to bring at least one of those players back before mm-hmm. you consider Shanae Gwumike. Yeah. And then you have some other things here, which I think we need to discuss. Uh, if she even wants to continue playing. So, Shanae Gwumike, uh, in case y'all didn't know, she has her own radio show which is dope. And I think she is a great personality and a great figure. It is only going to get bigger in that field. Um, she's super marketable. She's super personable. Uh, she doesn't need the WNBA, to put it bluntly. That's true. And maybe she, maybe we've seen the last of her in 2019. Uh, but hopefully yeah. she keeps playing and hopefully, you know, she, she, you can do a radio show from anywhere, right? So maybe she'll, she'll play somewhere else, but... <laughs> Who knows? And also she has a, um, she's got a pretty nasty injury history for someone who's 29. Yeah, that's a great point. She's missed a lot of time. You know, I mean, how worth it would it be for her if, if she can't play with NACA, if she can't play in LA, you know, it's like, well, I don't know. 
cost benefit analysis. I, I she doesn't need the WNBA. So Latoya Sanders wanted to talk about her quickly. I mean, maybe yeah. if um if Seattle prioritizes their wing players over Natasha Howard, I think that would be a, a great fit for Latoya Sanders. What do you think? Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Uh, I don't think it's realistic because like Seattle, I mean, uh, you don't think so? I mean, I, I think there's a non-zero chance that Natasha Howard plays somewhere else next year. A non-zero chance, huh? She, um, had, a, she had a weird season last year and Sanders would be able to replicate some of that, at least in their aggressive defensive scheme. Yeah. So, and we didn't really yeah. talk too much about good fits for Natasha Howard, but, she would be a good fit literally anywhere she played. Oh, yeah. Oh, she yeah. Play I the mean, four of the five. She can score inside, score outside. Like, we, we've talked about her at length. Well, like, like Richard Cohen brought this up on Twitter. Um, Alicia, uh, Alicia Clark, she's not, a, she's not a post player, but he, he posed a question, who would you rather have, Howard or Clark? And uh, maybe a little bit of recency bias, but I believe Clark won that poll convincingly. Well, for me, it's just about replaceability, right? Like, Natasha Howard is a better player, I think, but... You know, you have some young, big talent in the pipeline if you're Seattle that you don't really have in terms of trying to replace a wing player in Alicia Clark. Like arguably the best 3 and D player in the league. So, But Clark is also four years older than Howard, so that's something to consider as well. You texted me the other day. You said, did you know both Alicia Clark and Epiphany Prince are 33? It's amazing that those two players specifically are like the same age and like going into their age 33 seasons because it seems vastly like, different yeah, career trajectories journeys cool so anything else about the bigs or should we wrap up and next week talk about those wings i think we could probably wrap it up you know if uh this is obviously uh steven and i are somewhat new at this new to this uh, at least the uh you know the, the, the cap stuff and, and the free agency breakdowns is at least pertaining to, to cap situation and, and salaries and stuff like that so if if we got something wrong, please let us know. Uh, if we got something right, please let us know. Um, at Double Down WNBA on Twitter or at our personal accounts at Nemchucky or at Trinkwald. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Play. We are on Spotify. If you'd like to subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, you are more than welcome. Uh, Steven, anything else you'd like to add? I guess quickly, one, one thing just about these two episodes that we're doing before I really kind of laid all the free agents out for my own research, like I was really looking forward to doing the bigs more than the wings. But then, you know, because I knew there were some really big names as free agents. And then when I kind of really got into it, I, I think the guards and wings will be even more interesting than, than this one. To me, the, 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 the front court players are very clear cut as far yeah. as tiers go. Like as far as the wings and guards, I think we're going to, we're going to have some arguments next week, but that's good. You know, that's, that's good. That's a good thing. And I think they're in the, you know, above average starter and up or, or even solid role player and up, uh, you know, the role players are more solid. And I think there's just going to be a lot more opportunity for movement, which is always interesting. Yeah. You know, the way this, uh, I mean, the way last off season went, if it's anything like last off season with the amount of movement and the amount of pure chaos, it's going to be pretty fun. And with that, I guess we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you. Everyone. Uh, thank you so much, everyone for listening. Please stay safe and stay healthy. Uh, catch you next time.